Welcome in to episode number seven of College Sports Today here on WLRZ at 99.3 FM. I'm your host, Hamilton Neal. We again, thank you very much for joining us here on the show this week. As always, we have a lot to talk about. We'll get things started with news from right here at Lenoran University. We'll talk Bears men's and women's basketball. We'll talk about games against Catawba and Anderson. We'll also have a look as well at the South Atlantic Conference men's and women's basketball standings. Again, that's coming up in our Lenoran sports segment. In college football, we'll talk recruiting news and we'll wrap up the show with our college basketball segment where we'll talk news as well as our men's and women's top five games from the last week. But again, we'll get things started with Lenoran Sports and the Lenoran men's basketball team. They took the floor Saturday to take on the Catawba Indians. After an entire afternoon of back-and-forth action, the victory went to the Indians by a score of 91-89 to in overtime. Caleb Robinson led five Catawba players in double-figure scoring with 19. Trivion Lamar had 17. Michael Hewitt Jr. had 14. Peyton Gerald added 13. And Miles Washington contributed 10 as well. TJ Nesmith and Sal Wilson led the Bears' scoring effort, going for 21 and 18 points respectively. Wednesday night, LR returned home to take on Anderson and again fell in a close one, losing 77-74. to Parker Dortch notched 21 points and 8 rebounds to lead Anderson. Jalen Johnson led the Bears in scoring with 17 points for the night. The Lenoran women's basketball team fell to 12th-ranked Catawba on the road Saturday by a score of 55-244. Shemaya Stanback scored 17 points to lead the Indians. Janiah Downs and Lyric Thorne combined for another 21 points. Maddie Dillinger and Emily Harmon scored 11 and 10 points each to lead the Bears. Going over to Wednesday night, Emily Harmon scored a career-high 39 points to lead LR to a 64-57 win over Anderson at home. The win was the 555th career game inside the shoe for Lenoran women's basketball, with the 350th win coming that night. The Bears have now won two straight games against Anderson, both coming in Hickory. This was the first game since February 9th of 2019 that was decided by single digits between these teams. Harmon's previous career high was 33 against the same Anderson team last year in a double overtime win. Harmon is averaging 30.6 points in three career games against Anderson, and her 39 points is the most scored by a bear since Amber Hanks scored 40 on January 10th of 2000. So that is a look at what's going on right now with the LR men's and women's basketball teams, both sitting in a very similar spot right now as far as record is concerned. And that's where we're going to go over and look at the South Atlantic Conference men's and women's basketball standings. First, looking at the men's standings, on top right now is Lincoln Memorial, winners of six in a row. They're 9-1 and one overall, 6-1 and one in conference play. Queens right behind them at 9-2 and two overall, 6-2 and two in the league. Tusculum is 6-4 and four overall, 6-2 and two in the conference. Wingate is 8-3 and three overall, 5-3 in the South Atlantic Conference. Carson Newman, 7-4 overall, also 5-3 in the league. Newberry is 4-6 overall, 4-4 in the conference. Also 4-4 in the league is Mars Hill. They sit with a record of 4-7 overall. Anderson is 6-5 overall. They are 4-5 in the conference. Catawba is 4-6 and 3-5 and and in the league. Limestone is 4-6 overall, also 3-5 in conference play. Coker is 3-8 overall. They are 3-5 in South Atlantic Conference action. Lenorine comes in at second to last. They are 3-6 overall. 2-4 and four in the conference, 
and Virginia Wise rounding things out 1-10 overall and 0-8 in South Atlanta Conference play. Again, when you're looking at this LR men's squad, sitting at second to last in the standings, they have lost four straight games to hit that mark of three and six overall. Really tough way to lose a couple of games there on Saturday and Wednesday. Overtime game there against Catawba. Really good effort from TJ Nesmith and Sal Wilson. We've talked about these two over the last couple of weeks, really stepping things up for this LR men's basketball team. You have Jalen Johnson, you have Nas Tyson, you have Kevin Kangu. You have a core here of players that are producing on a consistent basis. It's just about putting it together late in games. And it seems that every week I'm talking to you about LR not being able to finish games. They have had so many close contests. I think they're better than their record indicates. I really do. It's just that late in games, the execution has not quite been there and they have not been able to secure these W's. And that's why this upcoming stretch is very important. Starting with this game coming up Saturday against Tusculum, opportunity to get a quality win. They're six and four overall, six and two in the conference. If you get that win, you stop the losing streak, you get to four and six, and you start to build some confidence again. The Bears really have a chance to work their way up in these standings because yes, they sit at three and six, but there are a lot of other teams ahead of them that they're very close to surpassing. Coker, Limestone, Catawba, those three very similar records to LR four and six, four and six, three and eight. You got a four and seven Marcel up there, a four and six Newberry. There's an opportunity to really rise up these standings. This conference is not particularly strong this year. Lincoln Memorial and Queens, clearly the top two teams. Following them, you got an eight-one Winget team. Carson Newman's a seven-win team right now. Tusculum is six and four, a couple games above five hundred. Things are really there for the taking for LR if they can really continue to get things going, at least to move up into the upper echelon of these standings. Because again, not too many dominant teams outside of Lincoln Memorial, Queens, and maybe a Winget. So there's opportunities here. And again, that game against Tusculum a great chance to make some things happen. Going over to the South Atlantic Conference women's basketball standings, Catawba, the 12th ranked team in the nation, sits at the number one spot. They are 9-0 overall and 7-0 in the conference. Winget right behind them at 8-1 overall, 7-0 in the league. Carson Newman is 9-2 overall, 7-1 in the sack. Anderson is at 7-5 overall. They're 7-2 in conference play. Limestone is 7-3 overall, 4-3 in the league. Lincoln Memorial at 500. They're 5-5 overall, 3-4 in the conference. At 3-5 in the league is Virginia Wise. They are 3-7 overall. Then comes Lenore Ryan. They're 3-5 overall, 2-4 in South Atlantic Conference play. Tusculum is 4-7 overall, 2-5 in the league. Coker is 3-6 overall, as is Queens. Coker 2-5 in the conference. Queens 2-6 in the league. Newberry is 2-8 overall. They're 2-6 in the conference and rounding things out. Mars Hill at 1-9 overall and 1-7 in the South Atlantic Conference. So yet again, like we talked about with the Lenorine men's basketball team, the women's squad has a chance to get things going a little bit as well. Taking on a Tusculum team that is 4-7 overall and only 2-5 in the conference. They've struggled much like Lenorine has but that game against Anderson, it just might be the game that could set them off. Emily Harmon, career high 39 points. She has dominated this team over the course of her career. We mentioned she's averaging 30.6 points in the games once she plays this squad. You've seen other players step up and bring it as well, namely Brandy Hudson and Maddie Dillinger. That was a huge, huge win for them to get them to 3-5. and five. Also, love the effort there against Catawba. They didn't win the game, but they really fought and they competed against one of the best teams in women's college basketball in Division II nationally in the Catawba. Indians. So really like what I'm seeing from this LR team in that one-in-one stretch, really close loss 
Close loss to Catawba, really good effort there, and a huge win, a momentum-building win against Anderson, and they have a chance to continue that again against Tusculum coming up. So that's a look at what's going on with the LR men's and women's basketball teams. That's all we have in the LR sports segment for tonight. Next week, we'll be talking a lot more. We'll talk some LR football news. We'll talk awards. We'll have news from men's lacrosse, getting ready for spring sports coming up. A lot of stuff going on here on campus, and again, we'll have much more next week. But tonight, talking about the LR men's and women's basketball teams, both trying to get things going as South Atlantic Conference play is in full swing. Now let's head over into our college football segment. Here tonight, we're going to be talking about a huge headline that just came out over the last couple of days in Division I college football recruiting. Here in this segment, we were originally going to talk about the bowl schedule and some more coaching news and things of that nature, but we had one headline that came in that was so big, we wanted to dedicate this whole segment to it. And it is in regards to college football recruiting. Cornerback Travis Hunter, the number two ranked recruit in the ESPN 300 of the class of 2022, has flipped his commitment from Florida State to Jackson State. This came back on Wednesday to become the first five-star high school football prospect to sign with an FCS team since ESPN started its rankings back in 2006. The six-foot-one, 165-pound Hunter from Collins High School in Suwannee, Georgia, had been committed to Florida State since March of 2020. He joins three-star recruits wide receiver Jonas Fortland and cornerback Keelan Kennedy in Jackson State's 2022 class. Obviously, Pro Football Hall of Famer Deion Sanders, the head coach at Jackson State, had a really good season this past year, and now he lands the biggest recruit in this school's history. Travis Hunter, again, ranked number two overall in the class of 2022, according to ESPN, ranked number one in the class, according to 247 Sports. In my opinion, he's not only the best player in the class of 2022, but also the best player regardless of class in high school football right now. He plays both wide receiver and cornerback, but long-term, he's going to be playing the corner position, and that's where we're going to focus on his game and talk about some of the things that he does well. Obviously, as a corner, you have to have elite ball skills. He has that. He has a nose for the football. His footwork is outstanding. He loves to tackle. There's some corners out there that really don't want to tackle that much. He is a very physical corner. He's only 6'1", 165 pounds, but he puts his body out there. He puts himself out there. He loves to make the tackles, loves to do the dirty work as well as the cover work. And when you're looking at his cover skills, he has the ability to elevate over other players. He takes away those throwing windows. When you're trying to throw at him, things close off really quickly. When you look at the elite corners at the highest level, you see them closing quick. You see them taking that space away and not allowing that receiver on the other side to make his cut and get over the top on that route, whether it's a crosser, a post, a deep route. He's going to shut it down. He's one of those guys that, again, really closes things off quick. You look at Trayvon Diggs of the Dallas Cowboys and what he has done so well this season in his second year. I think Travis Hunter is a guy that is very comparable to a guy like Trayvon Diggs, who is not afraid to go after the interception. He's not afraid to make the tackle. He's really complete in that way. He's a complete football player because he does all of those things well. Look for him at the college level as well to play a lot of offense. He has been a record-setting receiver in high school in addition to playing corner. So look for Deion Sanders to not only utilize him at corner where he's going to mainly play and where long-term, like I said, he's going to be that guy, but also a wide receiver. He's one of those guys that could return some punts now and again, run some jet sweeps, maybe even run some routes on the outside. Deion Sanders is a very creative coach and he is a very passionate coach. And that's a big factor in why Travis Hunter flipped this commitment from Florida State to Jackson State. It's the opportunity to play for a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest corners of all time, and to also make a huge statement for HBCU schools. We saw Mercur Maker go to the University of Howard. He was an elite basketball recruit. Travis Hunter now doing it here with Jackson State. The HBCUs are getting a lot more looks now, and I think a lot of players are looking into how they can be part of a change, how they can change the culture at these schools, and just get these HBCUs out there a little bit more. And 
he talked about Florida State. He loved FSU, and that was the place that he was really looking at playing. But in the end, he saw an opportunity to play for a great coach, play for a great school. The HBCUs have a great tradition and history in football, and he wants to be part of that history, but also wants to be part of that future as well. So definitely going to be very exciting to see what he can do moving forward. And again, huge news coming out of college football recruiting Travis Hunter, flipping from Florida State over to Jackson State. So that's all we have tonight in regards to college football. We'll talk a lot more next week about Bryce Young, the Heisman winner, quarterback from Alabama. We'll talk more with the bowl schedule. We'll have all that coming up next week. But again, tonight we wanted to talk about Travis Hunter committing to Jackson State. Huge news there out of college football recruiting. Let's wrap up the show now with our men's and women's college basketball segment. Here tonight, we're going to be talking recruiting and transfer news, as well as our top five games of the week on the men's and women's sides. First, we're going to start with news out of men's college basketball as class of 2022 recruits. Five-star small forward Mark Mitchell and three-star center Christian Reeves have announced their commitments to the Duke Blue Devils. Mitchell chose the Blue Devils over UCLA and Missouri. The six-foot-eight wing is currently ranked 15th overall and fourth at his position in the class, according to 247 Sports. Reeves ranked 243rd overall in the class, chose Duke over South Carolina, Creighton, and Minnesota, among others. They joined five-star recruits Derek Lively II, Derek Whitehead, and Kyle Filipowski, plus four-star Jaden Shutt in Duke's 2022 recruiting class. With the additions of Mitchell and Reeves, Duke now has the top-ranked recruiting class nationally for 2022. Arkansas, Alabama, Kansas, and USC round out the top five classes. Again, huge lands here for the Duke Blue Devils, getting two very different types of players here with Mark Mitchell and Christian Reeves. Mitchell, the five-star, highly touted wing player out of Kansas. Beat out a lot of other really good programs to get this guy. UCLA and Missouri were the two schools that late were getting the buzz as well. UCLA at one time was viewed as the favorite in this recruitment, and it's a credit to John Shire and his recruiting tactics to be able to lock in and tell this guy, hey, this is what we're doing here at Duke. This is what my vision is, and you can come in and be a part of that. He is going to bring so much skill to that wing position for this Duke team. When you look at the things that he does well, I think his strongest asset as a player right now is his ability to put his head down and get to the rim. He's big, he's strong, he has excellent footwork, he has a great first step, and the power that he drives with, the power that he plays with, is something that other guys are going to be able to feed off of very well. And he has that versatility to step out a little bit. His face-up jumper, that mid-range area, getting better and better, and so is that three-point shot. And for wing players... That's what they're consistently working on. That's what they're consistently getting better at is that three-point shot. And once he gets that down, and I think he will consistently, he's going to be one of the toughest players to stop on this team. Christian Reeves at the center position, definitely a project for John Shire and Duke coming in. He's not as polished yet. Again, he's only rated as a three-star recruit, but definitely a guy that you can work with. Definitely a player that I think will get better over the course of time at Duke consistent as a rim runner and roller to the basket. His face-up game from the mid-range area is consistent, just like we talked about with Mark Mitchell, and he's working on that ability to step out further than that to the three-point line, which is obviously something that in today's game you have to have. He has good rim protecting and shot blocking ability, and I think that's where his value early on will come into play is on the defensive end. With his size and his length, he has the potential to be a very good two-way player for this Duke team. How much action he gets early on, you know, we'll see. Duke is bringing in other big men. Derek Lively II, ranked number one overall in the 2022 class. Kyle Filipowski is a top 10 player who is very potent on the offensive end as well. So I don't know how much playing time he's going to get early, but definitely a lot of potential here. Very excited to see what both of these players bring to the Duke Blue Devils. Mark Mitchell, 
five-star small forward and Christian Reeves, the three-star center, both heading to Durham coming up in the fall of 2022. And again, that makes it six players for Duke's 2022 class, by far and away the best class in the country. And John Shire exceeded all expectations with this recruiting class. When he was named the coach in waiting at Duke and he started working on this class, I don't think anybody expected him to land six players, four of those being five-star recruits and the number one class in the country. But again, that's just a testament to his recruiting ability. You know, ever since he's been on this Duke staff, he has been one of the best recruiters in college basketball, bringing in so many of those high-level recruits. Now he's gonna, now he's doing it as the coach in waiting. He's going to be their head coach coming up starting next season and an amazing first class he's bringing in. And again, they're adding Mark Mitchell and Christian Reeves to the fold. In news with women's college basketball, UConn Huskies sophomore forward Mir McLean has entered the transfer portal. Head coach Gina Oriema announced Monday. She is the second player to transfer this season from the program. Sailor Poffenbarger announced her move to Arkansas back in November. McLean appeared in 24 games as a freshman last season, averaging 2.8 points and 2.1 rebounds per game. She appeared in three games this season, but did not score. Oriema released a statement saying Mir is extremely smart and athletic, and she has a lot of potential. We wish Mir and her family the best as she continues her college career. McLean was the 25th ranked prospect in the class of 2020, according to ESPNW. Not really a surprise to see Mir McLean making this move, leaving the UConn women's basketball team, just like we talked about with Sailor Proffenbarger a couple of weeks ago. And when she announced she was transferring, really the same reasons for her transfer are evident here with Mir McLean. It's about playing time. Sailor Proffenbarger was not getting playing time going back to when she joined the team early last year and through the first couple of games this year, she was not getting on the floor. Mir McLean had the same thing going on. She was not getting on the floor consistently. She did appear in a lot of games last season. We mentioned she played in 24 games, but averaged only 2.8 points, 2.1 rebounds, and uh, did not score this year in her few appearances that she made. It's just about getting on the floor. If you're a high-level recruit like Poffenbarger was, like McLean was, both of them were five-star recruits coming out, you expect to play. But if you're going into a program like UConn, who has so much depth, and Gino Oriem is very deliberate and very selective with who he plays, you know, you got to expect something like this to happen. We've seen a lot of other high-level recruits make the same move that have gone to UConn. Michaela Coombs, Lexi Gordon, a couple of players in the last couple of years uh, that come to mind, and there's plenty of others before that that have transferred because they're not getting playing time. And it'll be interesting to see who lines up to try to land her. She's one of the most athletic forward prospects in all of the country, great rebounder on the offensive and defensive ends. And if you can just get her out there, she can be consistent as an offensive scorer. She can be a consistent option on the interior and stepping out as well. So very versatile prospect, a really great talent overall. And whoever lands her is going to be getting a very, very good basketball player and is going to have a lot of options with her again because of that versatility and because of her ability to do so many things at once on the basketball floor. So again, Sophomore forward Mir McLean transferring from the UConn Huskies. So that is our news out of men's and women's college basketball. Now let's go over and talk about our men's and women's top five games of the week. We have had so many great games over the last couple of days. Most of the games that we're talking about here took place late last week, early part of this week. We have not had much action in the midweek portion of the schedule. So a lot of these games back over the weekend, again, first couple of days of this week. We're going to go back to Saturday, December 11th, and we have three games to talk about from that day, starting with number eight, Arizona. They defeated Illinois by a score of 83-79. to Leading the Wildcats was Benedict Matherin. He had 30 points. Kirk Creesa had 19 as well for Arizona. Leading Illinois was Trent Frazier. He had 27 points. Alfonso Plummer added 25. Kofi Coburn contributed 13 as well. Notre Dame upset number 21 Kentucky by a score of 66 
62. Leading the way for the Fighting Irish were the tandem of Blake Wesley and Dane Goodwin, both scoring 14 points. Trey Wirtz added 12. Paul Atkinson had 10 as well. Leading Kentucky was Oscar Sheboy. He had 25 points along with seven rebounds. Keon Brooks Jr. was the only other player in double figures with 12. This is the second consecutive season that Notre Dame has beat Kentucky. Number six, Alabama, 83-82 to over number 14, Houston. Leading the Crimson Tide was Jawan Gary. He had 19 points. Jaden Shackelford added 18. Javon Quinterly had 17, and freshman J.D. Davison had 10. Leading Houston was Marcus Sasser. He had 25 points. Josh Carlton, Jamal Shedd, and Fabian White Jr. were also in double figures with 14, 12, and 11, respectively. On Sunday, December the 12th, top-ranked Baylor shut down number 9 Villanova, winning by a score of 57 to 36. Leading the Bears was James Akinjo. He had 16 points. Adam Flagler was also in double figures with 10. Leading Villanova was Justin Moore. He was the only player in double figures with 15. Baylor held Villanova to 12 of 54 shooting from the floor for 22.2%. They forced 13 turnovers and out-rebounded the Wildcats 42 to 35. And Tuesday, December 14th, the Memphis Tigers defeated number 6 Alabama by a score of 92 to 78. Leading Memphis was DeAndre Williams. He had 20 points. Freshman Jalen Duran had 14. Landers Nolly the second added 13. Lester Canonias and Tyler Harris added 12 and 11, respectively. Leading Alabama was Keon Ellis. He had 19 points for the game. Javon Quinterly and Jaden Shackelford combined for another 22 on the evening. So those are our top five games of the week in men's college basketball. Big wins for a number of teams there. I first want to talk about Arizona, currently ranked eighth in the country. Undefeated on the year, this is a squad that you really got to keep your eye on right now. They may not have a National Player of the Year contender. They may not have a ton of NBA prospects, but what they do have is outstanding coaching. Getting Tommy Lloyd to come over from Gonzaga, that was the best hire throughout the entire college basketball offseason last year. And what he's doing with this team, the way he's reshaping them and remolding them is just beyond impressive. Right now, they are ranked number one in the country in scoring offense. The way that they assist, the way that they play as a team, the way that they're so connected is the way that we've seen Gonzaga play. He was Mark View's right-hand man for 20 years. He recruited a lot of those great players that came through that program, and he's building a powerhouse here at Arizona. Don't be surprised if this team continues to win games. If they make a run into March this year, don't be surprised if this team moving forward is one of the best in the country from year to year. I know it's early on, and this is just his first year, his first couple of games, but what they've done already is just so impressive, and and the improvement that they've made from last year is astronomical. With Sean Miller last year, they were such a stagnant team. They didn't have it on either side of the basketball. They didn't look ready to go. Tommy Lloyd is getting these guys inspired to play and ready to play, and a rising star in college basketball right now is Benedict Mathur. 30 points in this game against Illinois. He's done it consistently from game to game, but to step up in that type of environment on the road and play that way, just very impressive. Don't be surprised if this guy gets some NBA draft buzz with the type of season that he's having. They got some other good pieces. Dalen Terry is a very skilled wing that I think will continue to get in on the action. Kirk Creasa, very good point guard for them and very steady at that position. A lot of international recruits on this team. That's something that Tommy Lloyd specialized in when he was at Gonzaga, going overseas, recruiting players there. He's doing it now at Arizona and they're playing some outstanding basketball, beating a very quality Illinois team there. Notre Dame, second year in a row they beat Kentucky. This is a squad that has not played great this season. They played good basketball, but they haven't played great. They hadn't really put it all together before this game. They're only 4-4 four and four on the year with this win, so definitely not a team that we expected to come in and win this game against a Kentucky team who at the time of this contest was ranked 10th, but again, just a credit to the coaching. Mike Bray, the way that he coached these guys up coming into this game, 
very impressive. I love some of the personnel on this team, especially in the backcourt. Blake Wesley hit some big shots late. Dane Goodwin and Trey Wirtz are two players that really feed off each other very well. So watch those three as the season goes on. Paul Atkinson, very good glue guy for this team. He had 10 points in this game. Kentucky fell 11 spots in the AP poll after this loss and definitely one that if you're a Kentucky fan you're concerned about because you saw some of the inconsistencies that plagued them last year. Struggle some offense, some turnover issues, but the one constant on this team is Oscar Shibway. 25 points and 7 rebounds. He's the guy that they really got to play through game in and game out. I think other guys will start to get it going. Keon Brooks had 12 here. Tate Washington, Xavier Wheeler. Again, both playing point guard right now. Both sharing the ball handling duties. Both have had some strugglesome games. Wheeler and Washington both, in fact, in this game did not play particularly well, but it'll be up to John Calipari to get those guys continually ready to play, and I think he'll do that. I think Kentucky will be fine after this loss, but it's definitely something to watch. Definitely a concerning game when you're looking at the way that they played offensively and the way defensively that they played late. I think the whole game on the defensive end, they played pretty well, but late they gave up some big shots. And again, Kentucky falling from 10th to 21st in the AP poll with that loss. And the Memphis Tigers, after losing four games in a row to Iowa State, Georgia, Ole Miss, and Murray State, come back and get a huge win here against an Alabama team who had just gotten a huge win themselves against the Houston Cougars by a point. This Memphis team is absolutely good enough to make the tournament and good enough to make a run in the tournament. With the personnel that they have, starting with Jalen Dern and Imoni Bates, two highly touted, highly ranked freshmen, those two consistently getting better from game to game is going to be important for this squad. And the veteran leadership of guys like Landers Nolly, DeAndre Williams, who had 20 in this one, Lester Canonez, Tyler Harris, who is in his second stint at Memphis, those guys are going to be so key around the freshmen because they're still so very young as a team, but you do have some veteran presence. And it's going to be important for those guys to consistently step up and play the way that they did here in this game. By far the Tigers' best performance of the season. And if they want to get back in that championship conversation, which they were in at the start of the year, then they got to continue to play games like this and put it all together. Just like we talked about with Notre Dame, Memphis putting it together for their best game of the season and really excited to see where they go from here. Big game coming up this weekend against number 18 Tennessee. If they get that win, don't be surprised if they maybe sneak back into that top 25 and get things set up for the rest of their season. So those are our men's college basketball top five games of the week. A lot of really good contests there. Going over to our women's college basketball top five games of the week. We're going to start back on Thursday, December the 9th, where then the third ranked UConn took on Georgia Tech. This was the team's first game without sophomore superstar Paige Beckers, and it showed. 57-44, to Georgia Tech got the win. Leading the Yellow Jackets was Lada Maslatinen, 15 points for the game. Maria Hermosa added 13. Aliyah Love had 10 as well. UConn was led by Kristen Williams. She had 13 points. Olivia Nelson-Adota had 12 points and 11 rebounds. Vina Westbrook added 11 as well. Georgia Tech outscored UConn 18-5 to in the fourth quarter after it was tied at 39 at the end of the third. Going over to Saturday the 11th, UConn playing their second game without Paige Beckers, this time taking on UCLA. Early on in this game, looked very bleak again for UConn. They were struggling offensively. They had some sloppy, uncharacteristic turnovers, but they put it all together, especially in that second half with some big runs to get the win 71 to 61. Leading the Huskies was Avina Westbrook. She had 17 points. Ohio State transfer Dorka Uaz had 16 points and 16 rebounds. Caroline Ducharme had 14. Kristen Williams added 11. Olivia Nelson-Adota had 10 as well. UCLA was led by Charisma Osborne. She had 26 points. Amari Thomas and Jalen Penn had 10 apiece as well. Despite that win, UConn falls to number 7 in the AP Top 25 poll. This is their lowest ranking since January 
of 2007. Going over to Sunday, December the 12th. This is where we have our final three games out of our top five. Number six, Louisville, 64-58 over number 19, Kentucky. Leading the Cardinals was Chelsea Hall. She had 15 points. Haley Van Lith and Alana Smith added 13. For Kentucky, Treasure Hunt and Dreyuna Edwards had 14. Robin Benton added 13. Ryan Howard had nine points, but she struggled in this one, going only three of 13 from the floor. Top-ranked South Carolina took down number 9 Maryland, 66-59. to Zia Cook had 20 points to lead the Gamecocks. Aaliyah Boston had 16 points and 16 rebounds as well. Leading Maryland was Angel Reese. She had 20 points and 10 rebounds. South Carolina out-rebounded Maryland 61-34, to 24-11 as well on the offensive glass. Dominant performance there. And again, staying atop the polls with that win over the Terps. And number 10, Indiana, 86-66. Over number 24, Ohio State. Dominant performance from Mackenzie Holmes. 30 points and 7 rebounds to lead the Hoosiers. For Ohio State, J.C. Sheldon had 23. And Taylor Mikesell added 15 as well. So, those are our top 5 games of the week in women's college basketball. Obviously, a lot of talk right now with the UConn Huskies going 1-1 one one so far in their games without Paige Beckers. Falling to Georgia Tech there Thursday very uncharacteristic performance from them offensively in particular so out of sorts so stagnant a lot of turnovers a lot of sloppy play overall and what we've seen in that game and even in the ucla game where they got the win not enough offensive flow the ball movement and the way that they're spreading it around and just the feel of this offense is obviously so much different without Paige beckers and they're going to continue to be without their superstar for the foreseeable future. Back on Monday, Beckers underwent surgery to repair the tibial plateau fracture in her left knee, and now her timetable for return is eight weeks from the day of surgery, and that's February 8th. One day after they play number seven, Tennessee, their game against South Carolina by that time will have passed, their game against Oregon by that time will have passed, so she will be officially unavailable for all of these big games, Louisville, Oregon, South Carolina, Tennessee. All of those games are going to be very tough in their own way. You're going up against a Louisville team who has the potential to be a high-scoring offense. They got really good guard play with Chelsea Hall and Haley Van Lith. Alana Smith came off the bench against UK. As we mentioned, it had a really good game. Oregon is a team that's still very young and raw, like I mentioned last week, but there is a lot of good talent there. They're so well coached by Kelly Graves. That one will be on the road in Eugene. Very tough place to play. Obviously, we know what South Carolina did to them at the Battle for Atlantis with Paige Beckers with their entire roster and the game against Tennessee going to be extremely tough as well. Tennessee ranked tied for seventh in the country right now with UConn. That's a team that has played so well on defense throughout the course of the season. Offensively, they're not as potent as some of the other highly ranked teams, but on defense, they have the ability to put it all together and really shut you down in the way UConn has struggled on offense. That's a game that I would be a little bit concerned about because they're not going to have Paige Beckers. Now, with that said, they will get AZ Fudd back pretty soon. Nika Meal will be back in under a month. So when you get those two back, you get a little bit more guard depth. You get a little bit more in your rotation. Aubrey Griffin at the wing position will eventually be back as well. So it's going to be interesting to see as UConn works these players back in, how their offense looks, how their entire team flows. But right now, it's up to the seniors. Westbrook, Williams, Nelson Adota. Dorky Yuha is also a very important veteran on this team who had her best game in a UConn uniform against the Bruins 16 and 16. Caroline Ducharme, Amari DeBerry, two freshmen that will also need to play a major role. So UConn really trying to tread water right now without Beckers and Fudd and some of their other players out of their rotation. Louisville, South Carolina also getting very impressive wins. And Indiana, a team you really got to keep your eye on. They were ranked as high as number four in the country earlier this season. They fell a little bit with some losses to some other highly ranked teams, but came back there, got a dominant win against Ohio State really showing right now that they could be the team to be in the Big Ten. It's very close between them and Iowa. 
but I have a lot of confidence in Indiana right now. Mackenzie Holmes, one of the stock rising players in women's college basketball, really has been one of the best players throughout the entire country this season and really excited to see what she can continue to do as well. So those are our top five games of the week in women's college basketball. Really exciting stuff going on throughout the country on the men's and women's sides right now. A lot of big games coming up. Each week on the show, we'll continue to talk about all those big matchups, all the big news as it comes in. So this has been episode number seven of College Sports Today here on WLRZ at 99.3 FM. We again thank you so very much for taking some time to listen this week. We'll hope you join us again next time. I'm Hamilton Neal signing off. I'll see you then.